Welcome to Love Addiction Recovery Over 40. I'm your guide, the coach in your pocket, Lacey Bentley. This show explores how to heal from your love and sex addiction and save your marriage. If you aren't sure where to start or what comes next, this is the place for you. I've spent 23 years leading women through addiction recovery, and I can tell you for sure, no one succeeds alone. You've got this, and I've got you. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This week, I wanted to share another look into my recovery coaching program. In this session, we're going to explore what support looks like during recovery, how to find accountability partners, and how to nurture yourself during the process. This was originally recorded as a Q&A with quite a few women who are already part of the community or thinking about joining. I love teaching live classes because they give everyone an opportunity to connect, to ask questions, get answers real time, and understand that we do not have to do this alone. We can't do this alone. You ready? Let's tune in. I'm Lacey Bentley. I'm the founder, creator of the Protected Hearts community. I have been teaching and working and supporting women in the 12 steps for over 20 years. My first 12-step class was fall of 1999. By January of 2000, I had realized I had a serious eating disorder, anorexia nervosa, started 12-step recovery and treatment for that, and I have been 12-stepping ever since. I'm a huge fan of the 12 steps. I think they're an incredible foundation for recovery, and everybody needs to know and understand them and use them. And as women, we need more. The 12 steps are important. They were written by a couple of guys who did a phenomenal job and created something that decades later, I would submit even millions of people have used the 12 steps at some point in their lives. I think it is the number one go-to and recovery tool for a reason, for anything. There are hundreds of versions of the 12 steps and applications for them. That being said, I recognized while I was in recovery that I did not have everything I needed in the 12 steps. As women, we already tend to feel disempowered culturally and in a society. And here in the U.S., you would think that it might be better than a lot of other places. And it's really not. We tend to, as women, take on responsibility for other people's actions, other people's beliefs. We blame ourselves for what happened to us in childhood. And step one, honesty, is we admit we are powerless. And that's important to admit with our addictions. And at some point, we have to pick our power back up and become empowered so that we can make the changes we need to make. We also need a lot of support. And women need to learn to lead in stronger, more courageous ways in their own life. They need to learn to say no and mean it and enforce it. And if someone still crosses that boundary, get additional authorities involved if necessary. So let's get into giving and receiving support in recovery. So what does that mean to you? If you're getting support in recovery, what are you getting or asking for? It is important that we get validation. Hey, I'm having a tough time. I'm not sure what to do next. I want to text my target or qualifier. I want to give him a call. I am really struggling not to go around the locks and settings on my phone because I really want to go to porn. I'm having a really tough time not 
binging on a bunch of food that's going to make me sick and regret it more tomorrow. I'm not feeling able to manage myself in this class where there are triggers, these kinds of things, not being judged. I see that we do. We like, we really need to know that we're cared about, that we're lovable, that we're not the only one as women. Even if we know there are other people, we still believe to some extent that we are the only one dealing with this. And that's just not true. There are always other women, other people who know and understand what we've gone through and who can support us, even if their experience is not exactly the same. Support in recovery means I'm being honest with myself and others. We have to have somewhere safe to go to be totally honest, to bear our wounds and share what's happening inside of us, talk through our thoughts that might be destructive or really embarrassing. We need somewhere where we can speak our truth. And support and recovery can give us that. Support and encouragement, meaning a person who is available to text or call me. Yeah, sometimes we really need someone to get on the phone with us. And we're going to talk about the different types of support and recovery and what that means so that when you're asking for or asked to give a particular type of support and recovery, you know what that person's expecting. You know what you're available to offer. Being there for each other, so important. It is so important. We need other women in recovery. There is a reason I've created a whole community. And it's because we need each other. We can't do this alone. I can't do this alone. None of us can. We did not get into the mess we're in by ourselves. We had childhood and trauma and all kinds of things to think for that. And now we can't get out alone. We need that support. So let's talk about support and recovery and what kinds of roles support and recovery can take. Don't text him. These guys are not interested in our recovery. Neither is porn. Porn does not want you to recover. Someone close to us that we trust. We got accountability partner, friends in recovery. And sometimes we have family members we can talk to that can go right along with the trusted people, family members, trusted friends, also women who have good recovery or who've been in recovery a little bit longer than us that we can talk to. Most of you are here. A lot of you are here because you reached out to me. You reached out to the leadership or somebody in a community to find yourself support. There's one more big one that we're missing. Ultimately, who needs to become the biggest support in your recovery? Your recovery is your recovery. And an accountability partner, a sponsor, a therapist, nobody should be working harder for your recovery than you are. That is your job. That is not her job. That is not my job. That is not your therapist's job or your group's job. Nobody should be working harder or be more dedicated to your recovery than you are. So now let's talk about the people in recovery you can go to for support and what kind of support you can expect, what kind of support is traditional in these different roles. So first, let's start with sponsorship. Sponsorship is 12-step specific. If you want a sponsor, you need to be committed to attending 12-step meetings, usually meetings where your sponsor is, and you need to be committed to 
working the 12 steps, you need to be committed to attending those meetings on a regular basis, and you need to be committed to working harder than anyone else, including your sponsor, on your 12-step recovery because she can't recover for you. Sponsors are 12-step specific. It's excellent to have a sponsor. So here's the question. How available to you should your sponsor be? How frequently should you have contact with your sponsor? Once a week's good. Whatever they're willing and able to do once a week. The big key here on all support and recovery, whether you're being the support in recovery or someone else is the support in recovery. So checking in by text more frequently, a call once a week. It's been mentioned. Some sponsors say 30 meetings in 30 days. That is a traditional 12-step expectation that your sponsor can have. And so you need to find out, who's this person, this woman I want to sponsor me? Because again, don't call the boys. This person I want to sponsor me, how often does she want to text or talk? When I was sponsoring women in recovery, their options were to check in with me 15 minutes every single day for 30 days. That was my 30 and 30. And I'd give her a small assignment that she could do and then report on the next day, or she could find a different sponsor. And I was okay with that. It is not a sponsor's job to make you commit to recovery. And again, sponsors 12-step specific. Let's talk about accountability partners. We talk about accountability a lot in our meetings. What is your understanding of accountability partnership? What is accountability partnership to you? So accountability partnership can go both ways. Or someone can be more of the accountability mentor and it's as needed. It can be just a short text every evening, whatever works. If it's an equal accountability partnership, both partners can reach out and there's equal responsibility there. But still, you are 100% responsible for your recovery and I'm 100% responsible for mine. Even if I have more practice, I've been in the 12 steps longer or I've been in Protected Hearts community longer, your recovery is not my responsibility. And accountability partners can reach out and say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while, but that's not really their job. It's ours. It's ours not to disappear on them. And it's everybody's job in these partnerships, whatever the recovery support partnership, whatever it's called, whatever the components are, we need to talk about that and get the expectations clear. That's our responsibility too. Okay, therapist. Therapist is a really helpful support and recovery for a lot of people. If we're needing to deal with trauma, if we're needing to deal with hefty resentments or anger, then getting a therapist could be a really good idea. If we're in an actively abusive relationship, whether it's with a parent or a sibling or a child or a spouse or a partner, a therapist can help us get to the point where we can get out. How available is a therapist? When do we talk to them? Some therapists, you know, in a crisis or something, if there's something really big going on, they text a little bit now or you can email or whatever. It's important to be respectful of the fact that therapists don't get paid to text with us. Coaches don't get paid to text with us unless they build that into the program. But therapists can't build that in. Accountability partners, they're not getting paid. Okay, mentors, they're not usually getting paid either, though sometimes they are, right? Like I kind of function as a mentor in the community and those who want to hire me 
I do more mentorship with them. It can even move into accountability. Crystal, she's a mentor in the community and she's also a licensed pastoral counselor. If you want to talk to Crystal, it costs. But a lot of mentors are free. And that is what we do mostly here in the Protected Hearts community is mentorship. It's not sponsorship because we don't use the 12 steps, not explicitly. We can, I encourage it, but that's not the foundation of Protected Hearts. Values and integrity and personal responsibility and community are really the foundation of this community, okay? How often is a mentor available? As needed, similar to accountability partnership, whenever you agree on, exactly. Same thing with sponsor. We need to verbalize these agreements. This is why I push empowerment and leadership in recovery for women is because we need to learn to ask for what we expect and want to say, I would like to be able to text you every day and I would like a response back. And whether it's a mentor or a therapist or a sponsor or an accountability partner or a friend in recovery, that's up to them. They can say, okay, I can do that. Or they can say, I will do that when I have time. I will try to do that most days. But if there's a solid commitment there, great. If not, we still have to learn how to be our own best support and recovery. And there are a whole lot of other options. Like we can turn to our networks. We can go to our higher power. We can attend more groups, which brings me to another support and recovery support groups. So 12 steps are amazing and they have support built in. Protected hearts are support groups. They're not support groups because there's not like therapy and processing really that happens there. They're networking. Protected Hearts goes in with the networks and community. Support groups like 12-step therapist-run groups, that kind of stuff are different. So we need to know what kind of groups do we want and what kinds of communities do we want to be a part of. Attend a few meetings. And we can't always tell after the first or second meeting if this community is going to work for us. Because if we're going in in a really bad place where someone says or does something that feels hurtful or offensive or frustrating or whatever in the first meeting or two, we won't want to come back. But by putting that aside or being willing to address that with the leadership in the meeting or the individual herself, we can give ourselves the opportunity to see what else is possible, to see what else is available in that community without turning it off too quickly. I learned early in recovery that meetings I needed a good like six, eight weeks before I knew if I was going to enjoy the meeting or if it was something that was going to work for me. So take your time. Family in recovery is important, but our families, our friends, our accountability partners, our therapists, they don't owe us their time. We need it. We need that support and they don't owe it to us. Nobody owes us a relationship. Nobody owes us meeting our expectations. And that can hurt. That can really suck, especially there are women in this community who don't have family, who don't have close friends nearby. And as we get further in recovery, we learn how to have those relationships and we learn how to keep those relationships so we don't feel so lonely long-term. But it takes time and we have to work on ourselves so that we show up in those relationships responsibly and dedicated to our own recovery, as opposed to a wanting someone else to take care of us because they can't. 
Again, we're the only ones that can recover for us. We're the only ones who can figure out what we really need. It helps to have someone to talk to. It helps to have someone to process with. That's why journaling is recommended so much. I used to hear journaling, journal about it, write about it. And I seriously was like, I don't want to. We've been over this. I don't want to journal about it. I just want to talk to somebody and have her make me feel better. Is that so hard? Like, (laughs) I was really, really irritable about that whole journaling thing for a long time in recovery. I refused. I would not do it. But then when I started doing it, things got a lot easier. It's like a process, start to process and not myself. Because we have to face it. And there's loneliness. And we might be afraid that those emotions are going to kill us. And they feel really scary. But they won't kill us. The event itself didn't take us out. Processing it and healing through it is not going to take us out. We survived the event. That was the worst part. Now, we need to resolve it so that we can stop relapsing because of what's under it, the hurt, the frustration, the betrayal. All right, other types of mentors. Let's talk about fellows and peers and friends in recovery. They're awesome and they're not dudes. (laughs) Actually, I shouldn't say that so bluntly because there are a few women in our recovery who have gay men who support them in recovery and it is very effective. Also, young men who are much younger or older guys who are much older unless that's our MO. If that's who we look for as our targets and our crushes, just stick with people you won't be attracted to, which can be women also. So, okay, let me have support and recovery from people I won't become attracted to. So if I was also attracted to women, I would be having much older women sponsor me or much younger women who are further along in recovery sponsor me or be my friends in recovery, or be my mentors. It is critical that those we ask to support us in recovery, those we rely on, because we do rely on people. We need a few women to rely on early in recovery. And I say women specifically, and it's not about who we become attracted to or who we don't. It's about we never learned to have honest, good female friendships growing up. And once we learn how to have those friendships, I'll tell you from personal experience and experience of clients, experience of other women in the community, learning to be able to relate to other women without getting your feelings hurt, without feeling dropped, being able to address frustrations or hurt feelings or whatever comes up in relationships is excellent practice with learning to deal with ourselves. There's just something different about female-to-female friendships and recovery support that we cannot and do not get somewhere else. And our therapist might be a place where we first learn to do that and practice it. They like kind of become a surrogate parent. Like they're trained in being a surrogate mom to all of their clients. It's a training they get. We take that seriously, those of us who are in leadership, that we can take on a role of a big sister. I had someone early in recovery who wrote a review for my book. And she said, Lacey was like the big sister in recovery. I never knew I needed. And it's important. And we can be that for other people. And it can start out as friendships. 
And it is still our responsibility to handle our recoveries and to address hurt feelings and upsets and renegotiate. And not everyone, we feel like, wow, I'd really like her to be my recovery bestie. That's not necessarily going to be possible. We need to find someone who is at a good place in recovery and able and ready to learn how or has already done it for others, fill that role. Also, facilitators. So facilitator, 12 steps have facilitators. It's the person who runs the meeting. Our meetings have a facilitator. I facilitate two of them. The facilitators are those who are running the meetings. They facilitate the discussion. They facilitate creating a safe space. They facilitate moving the meeting along. And that's an important role. And they don't get paid for it. They aren't getting anything back, but the pleasure of being there and our gratitude when we choose to share that with them and to experience that. Leadership in communities. The leadership in communities aren't necessarily that available to the community as a whole. We can only do so much. We only have so much time we can give and on any given day or week or month or year, because we have to take care of ourselves and take care of our recovery. We would love, some of us, I would love to be able to be on 24 seven and it's just not feasible. It's not doable. And that's why we direct you ladies to each other. We want you to make sure you have a therapist, make sure you have support groups and other resources that you need. Make sure you're working a program because we can't do it all and be it all. I mean, even the president of the United States, I'm sure sometimes there are communities he'd love to just go visit everybody. And sometimes he does after a disaster. And that's different. But the president can't be everywhere. The CEO of a company can't be everywhere. And we have a responsibility to make sure that we are taken care of and that we're not overdoing it ourselves. All right, there's a question about the difference between a sponsor and an accountability partner. So the first difference is a sponsor is helping you walk through the steps. And in 12-step recovery, it says in most 12-step manuals, especially the original one, your job, my job, anyone's job as a sponsor is to turn the person back to the steps. That's their job. Validate, reassure help them understand what's normal and what may be excessive depression or anxiety or frustration and turn them back to the steps. That is a sponsor's job. Your sponsor's job is to point you to the steps, the 12 steps, period. And to give you a little support and point you back to the steps. That's what a sponsor does. And there's a sponsor and sponsee. There's a mentor and mentee. There's someone who is further along And I would never have someone sponsor me who did not have six months to a year, solid in a row recovery, who hadn't been learning and going through the 12 steps for a year and six months solid recovery, because those who have not gone through their step four and five don't understand why you might be freaking out about it. Those who have not done six and seven, which is about our character weaknesses and how like what character traits we use to hurt other people, someone who hasn't worked through those is still going to be vomiting their crap on you. Their baggage is going to come out. 
if they haven't realized that they drop people and that they don't show up for their commitments and worked through that, they're going to do that to you. They're going to do that to me. I don't want to deal with that. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to be sponsored by an amateur in 12-step recovery. And if you've been attending for 12 months, you know where you're headed in these steps and you've already done a little bit of work and meetings and stuff on them. And you've had enough experience hearing how other people have been affected or how other people have sponsored. There's enough experience to know what you're getting yourself into. And the accountability partner, it's really just about sobriety. Accountability is about sobriety. I did not relapse today. I did not text him today. I did not go to porn today. That's what your accountability partner is there for. And then friends in recovery, groups in recovery, that's where you're sharing and opening up. Then there are coaches in recovery. I'm a recovery coach. It's what I do. I help women quit porn, quit obsessive romantic fantasy, help them quit texting dudes that they shouldn't be texting. He's not your friend. Have I said that enough? He's not your best friend. He's not your soulmate. It's a chemical attraction. And he doesn't want you to recover and heal any more than porn does. The porn industry has been intentionally targeting women since at least the 80s. There was a memo released years ago that I cannot find now, but I remember reading about it and it seemed legit from the source. The porn industry has been intentionally targeting you since before you were walking. If you were not an adult in the 80s, they've been targeting you as long as you've been alive. That's not your fault. That's theirs. It is your responsibility to get out of it and take your life back now. It's a billion dollar industry. Aside from healthcare and supplements and that kind of stuff, porn is the number one grossing industry in the United States. They want your money and they do not care what happens to you or your relationship or your psyche or your self-hatred. They do not care. Nobody actually wants all of us. We're just not that good of human beings. And people who say they want all of us and don't know us, they have no idea what they're committing to. No idea. That is hormones. That is sexual arousal. It is trying to get something out of you. A man who will use you, who wants you to send him nudes, who wants you to sex with him. It's like us as women just committing to be with a guy and marrying him because he's rich and we can afford all the awesome stuff we always wanted. That's just rude. That's selfish. These guys, I want to believe that my last target really was in love with me. You bet I want to believe that. No, it was about his ego, just like it was about mine. It is all ego. And when someone says, I want all of you, I love you, I want to spend my whole life with you, make them prove it, starting with not giving him any sense. Because when you're pregnant, when you just had a baby, when you got the flu, when your cat dies, when your mom dies, when your kid slips out at you, when you're stressed, when the account gets overdrawn and you are not interested in sex, when you go through hormonal changes and you're not interested in sex or romance or his fantasies for six, eight months, he's not interested in you. 
unless he really truly loves you. And that does not happen in days or weeks or months. That takes a long time to develop. And anyone who says that is lying because they don't know what all of you means. There are two more critical components, critical supports in our recovery. He's lying to you. Please don't believe it. We care about you. We love you. We don't want anything in return. That's when you know someone loves you. They will love you even if it means giving you up because they want what's best for you. They will love you even in telling you, like, I love you guys. I care about you. I don't need anything from you. I don't need you to recover. I don't need you to behave. I don't need you to show up to meetings. I don't need you to pay me. I care about you. That's why I do as much as I do for this community. And don't worry about getting paid for it because I just care about women healing. People who want to sex with us, who want to have relationships with us, whether they get sexual or not, or their emotional romantic affairs, or they're through the phone or whatever they are, they do not care how much pain they cause you or your current children, for those of us have kids, or their kids. They're like, oh, I don't want my wife to find out. Right, that's because you're an asshole, and you don't want her to know. And she doesn't want all of him because she doesn't want that. Nobody wants our darkest, worst parts where we cheat on them, we can't stand them, we hate them, we wish they'd die. People don't want that. Are they willing to deal with it? Yes, but at what cost? Will I deal with people hating me? Yeah. I don't need them to love me. Does it hurt their relationships where people I deeply care about and love don't want to have an honest adult relationship with me? Yeah. I cry about that. It bums me out. And I love them. And if they feel like that's what they need, I'm going to give them space, even though I don't agree and I don't want it. And someone who truly loves us will not exploit us. They just won't. If I insisted people who don't agree with me or who don't like me, if I insisted they liked me, I would be exploiting them. No, I need you to like me so I know I'm okay. I need you to like me so I don't have this anxiety over losing you. Hey, that has nothing to do with them. That's about us. If we truly love someone, we're willing to tell them the truth. Hey, this is addiction. You've got to get help. You've got to work on this. Hey, you're being abusive. I'm not going to keep putting up with this. That's love. Someone who loves us back will say, I see it. You're right. I'm going to get the help I need. That's love. We say to them, I am in recovery. I cannot, should not be sexting with you. If someone loves you, they'll say, okay, I understand. And they will never, ever ask for something like that again. And if you send it, they will delete it and send a message that says, we agreed that you were going to be in recovery. Please don't do this to yourself. It's about don't do this to you. Don't hurt you. I care about you. Don't do this to you. Instead of nice pick, the bugging out eyeballs. Good to have you back. Okay, that person's an asshole. Probably going to have to bleep out the swear words, but it is what it is. 
People who care about us will not use us. People who truly love us will not use us. And they do not need anything from us, which goes right to God. He does not need us to understand him. He wants us to. He does not need us to like him or forgive him. He does not need us at all. But he loves us. And so he provides a lot. If that's your higher power, tap into it. The universe, if you're more of a source, universe, enlightened self, whatever, your enlightened self would never use you in the here and now or then. Your enlightened self would never abuse you. Your enlightened self doesn't need you to recover. Your enlightened self wants you to recover. The universe needs nothing from you. And if you were going to pay back the universe, how would you even do that? How are you going to pay back the universe for anything? It's impossible. Well, that's fine because the universe doesn't ask anything of you. Our enlightened selves do. God does. As we get more enlightened, we ask more of each other. But it's asking. It's not demanding. Because love does not demand. It asks. And then you. You do need to expect things of yourself. But expecting them and then if you fall short, hating yourself for it is not what I'm talking about. That's self-denigration. That's not going to help. Saying all kinds of bad things about yourself after a relapse is not going to help. And we'll talk more about relapse prevention a little bit later. What's going to help is you understanding that you have intrinsic worth as a human being. Every human being on this planet, I do not care what they've done. I do not care who they've hurt. I might be pissed off at them for hurting someone I care about. Every person on this earth deserves to be treated with dignity. If there's an immutable law, in my opinion, that's it. Every person on this earth deserves to be treated with dignity. And when I realized that that was one thing I 100% believed in new, I was like, except me. Huh. When you learn to care for and take care of yourself, we're going to spend a lot of time learning how to do that. So if you're going, yeah, but how do I take care of myself? How do I show up? as my number one support and cheerleader. And you don't have to go get like pom-poms. You do need to learn to look yourself in the eye in the mirror though. You do need to learn to look yourself in the eye, period. If we cannot look ourselves in the eye and appreciate the woman in the mirror and care about her, we will never truly deeply be able to care about or love anyone else. And I don't know how that works, but I am telling you from personal experience, it is completely true. When I'm feeling resentment, anger, hatred towards someone, and every now and then they come up, I look inward and go, what do I hate about me right now? And there is always something. And as soon as I deal with what I am angry at myself about, what I hate about what I did, what disgusts me about my behavior, as soon as I deal with that, I own it. I get to a place where I'm ready to apologize, to make my amends if the person's available and it's best for them. If it's best for them because I love them and I've gotten back into loving me. So now I can see it may not be best for them for me to get to say what I want to say. But I have validated and cared for and nurtured me. I'm okay now. I don't need anything from that. You guys have seen me in meetings when I've upset or offended or hurt someone and they bring it up 
I don't need them to think, I don't need anyone to think I'm perfect and infallible because I know I make mistakes. I know how to clean them up. I know I'm going to take care of it. So I can just take a deep breath, hear the feedback, offer what I'm ready and able to offer in that moment and come back to it later if I need to, because I know no mistake I make is going to take away the fact that I deserve to be treated with dignity by myself and the universe and everyone else around me. And if they don't want to treat me with dignity, I don't need it from them. And that's what true confidence is. I don't need anything. I don't need anyone to tell me, wow, that was an amazing presentation. It's great feedback. And it's no different than, hey, you went on a little long about that or that lighting really sucked. We've got people online who are waiting for this. We've got people here who are ready. I don't want to mess up our schedule. So if I really feel like it needs you, I'll just re-record it. I don't need this to be the perfect recording. I want to communicate that I care about you and that if you will care about you and take care of you and be your own best support in recovery, anything is possible. Everything is possible. But you first have to love and nurture, care for, and walk in dignity, knowing no matter what anyone else thinks or feels about you, you are going to be okay and you will handle it. Your relapses will cut back because you won't need to make excuses anymore. Thanks for listening. Can I ask you a favor? If this resonated with you, will you leave a review on Apple Podcasts? Your input allows us to reach more people and make a bigger impact. Next, if you're wondering whether or not you're ready for recovery, take the quiz by going to www.herrecoveryroadmap.com forward slash quiz, where you'll find the right next step for you. Until next time, don't forget, you've got this and I've got you.